3: Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada and around the world on the Exxon Broadcast Network and our family of broadcast affiliates, satellite programming providers and broadcast stations. If you'd like to check us out on Facebook, xzbn.net is the Facebook tag. And you can also find out all about us all over the social media, Exxon Radio TV. And I'd like to send an email? It's very simple, Xone at Xonradio TV.com. To find out the broadcast schedule for the Xone Broadcast Network, as well as the many great shows we have to offer you, the members of the worldwide XON Nation. The website is XZBN.net. My guest this hour is Vicki Ann Bush. She is in Las Vegas and she is a paranormal author. So why don't we bring Vicki on and then and Vicky, welcome to the XO, and tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Hi, Rob, first of all, let me say thank you for having me tonight. What a
2: great pleasure. Um,
4: I'm originally from New York mm-hmm. and um, i I um, come from a long line of how can I put this? women who are sensitive mm-hmm. I'm of Italian descent and um, we've always, you know as long as I could remember, kind of, felt things, seen things, heard things. And I think that's why it comes out now in my writing um, and why I do Paranormal and why I feel so comfortable with it because it's something I can relate to. Um, we moved to Vegas uh, oh, many, many years ago, and I do enjoy living in the desert, but my roots are still back east.
3: You forgot one very important uh, asset about being an Italian woman. You guys are great cooks.
4: Yeah, we are, aren't we? Oh God!
3: <laughs> I don't, um, I don't my know. My mom
4: and grandma being the best. Well,
3: if it wasn't for beautiful Italian ladies and spaghetti and meatballs and pizza and all the wonderful dishes that Italian ladies make, you know, it would be a pretty boring time going downtown to a restaurant. I'll tell you.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes.
3: So, when was how old were you when you had your very first paranormal experience?
4: Um. You know, the clearest memory Mm -hmm. is after we moved, um, we moved from Queens to Long Island and I was about 10 and, um, we, I, I remember just at first just hearing things. It was a two story house. It was old, Mm -hmm. you know, had wood floors and everything. And I remember hearing uh, like someone going up and down the stairs. Okay. That was the first time Uh, as far as a, a vivid memory. And then after that, things just started to take off. Um, I would do things like feel someone touching my cheek, or silly things like I'd have a, I had this giant sun earring, and I had a very flat carpet. So if you dropped something on it, you could see it right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I dropped the earring in front of me, go to pick it up, it was gone. I had a favorite book that I kept in the back of my closet up on top. Went to go get it one day, it was gone. Right before we were moving from New York to, because we moved to California first, um, my book was put back on the shelf. So, I mean, there's just uh, on and on and on things that happened and my mom experienced and my grandmother. But the funny part is, is my brother really never heard anything and neither did my father. And that was the first. And that was kind of like an introduction um, to what was going to happen, you know, through the rest of our lives. Um my daughters have inherited it as well. They see things, they hear things. Mm-hmm. Um we have heard, we have seen, which is really funny, um and we didn't know it, but my mom, myself and my eldest daughter saw the same man. We didn't didn't talk about it, so none of us knew that the other person was seeing it. Um and we just happened to be having a conversation one day, me and my mom, and um, she had mentioned about the man in, in, a, in a plaid shirt, and I said, what? And she's like, yeah, she was like, I keep seeing this man in a plaid shirt. I said, oh my gosh, I see a man in a plaid shirt. you know." So we started talking, my oldest daughter came in and, and said something, and she go oh yeah, the man in the plaid shirt, I see him all the time. No, and we didn't know that this was going on, and it had been going on for quite some time. We never really found out who it was, but apparently... I'm learning things are attached to us as opposed to things. All right, that you and I I'm have to
3: take a break. We'll be back on the other side. Exonation, our guest this hour, is Vicki Ann Bush, her website, VickiAnnBush.com. She's also on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash VickiAnnBush.author. This is the Exon. I am Rob McConnell. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
6: If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder, Sandra Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys a meditative cd and her book shamanic awakening to encourage you as you navigate your earth walk and create a deeper connection to yourself find this and more at her website starwalkervisions.com
3: Next donation, Vicky Ann Bush is our guest. I'll be your dot com. That's one. That's one heck of a dog you've got in the background. <laughs> <laughs>
2: He's a Great Dane.
3: <laughs> um, you were you were giving us a bit of a pitch uh, about one of the. You know, I asked you for an example of your book, and you and, and one of your books, and you were telling us about the the uh, the archangel who married uh, a. a um, a um a demon, I would imagine. And no. and they had a child together, right?
4: No, 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 no. No, no. All right. Explain uh, that to it, me. It's okay. The Archangel Gabriel mm-hmm. is married to um Cassandra, who is an immortal. Um, and they have a son, Luke.
3: Okay, so so, so the Archangel had a child with a mortal or a semi mortal.
4: With an immortal.
3: Immortal.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: She was cursed. She was immortal, but she was cursed, so oh, she's yeah. now immortal.
3: You know, I've been doing this show now for 26 years, and I have never heard anybody say that an angel got married and had a child. Yeah. This is a I first. Know. How, you know, um, how do people take the, the, devi- uh, the, the, the breaking away from traditional angels to an angel, an archangel, who gets married and has a child
4: um what the reason I did that was because I wanted to make them um more human that 's what I was going for
2: mm-hmm.
4: and and um actually i've gotten quite a, a good response
3: I find that yeah. interesting to be honest with you
2: mm.
3: um so, what all right. You, you you write about the angels. You write about demons. What else do you write about?
4: Um, I have an historical romance which has no paranormal in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I I write what I'm feeling at the time. Like I said, it's primarily paranormal, but also, but there are other things that are going on. You know, sure that <laughs> that needs to come out. And so if that's what I'm feeling at the time, then that's what I'm going to be writing.
3: So when you say need for things to come out, are you talking about something that is happening in the world? Are you talking about something that is happening in your immediate area? Are you ta- Or are you talking about something that is happening and you're feeling inside?
4: Something that is happening and I'm feeling inside. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah.
3: So what was it like for the first time you... You wrote a manuscript. Oh, first of all, are, are you self-published or are you going through a publishing uh, company?
4: I am traditionally published. I had um, my uh, first publisher, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, um, was children's books. And they're the ones that actually got me into young adult um, my current publisher, Solstice Publishing, is um, has primarily most of my titles.
3: Okay, great. What was it like the first time that you submitted a manuscript, and after it came back a few times and went back a few times, you finally, in the mail one day, found a box, and in that box was your book. How did you feel?
4: Mm-hmm. Um, I cried. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a glass of wine. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and uh it was it was it was an amazing feeling. Amazing.
3: What well, was like the first time you saw one of your books in a store?
4: I cried. <laughs>
3: Duh, oh, wait, I wait a sec. Did I you have alive? a you had a
2: Um
4: it you know, you it's 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 so it's so bigger than life mm-hmm. to see that. It, it, it's just like, you know, I still will pick up a book of mine and just flip through the pages and go, did I do this? I did this. I did this. It, it doesn't seem real to me sometimes.
3: What I have learned over the years is that authors are people who are very persistent. They do not understand the word Failure. And this is what, in my opinion, what makes authors so great. They give so much of themselves within the covers of that book, whether it's fiction or whether it's nonfiction, whatever you can, people really don't understand the heart of an author unless they are married to one, unless one of their parents is an author or unless they themselves are authors.
4: Boy, I think that's really true. I do. I, I think I sometimes, you know, my husband is mm-hmm. he's amazing. He's so supportive. But there are times where I think I know it's sometimes it can't be easy for him. Right. Especially when, you know, I'm so in I say the zone. You know, where mm-hmm. the only thing I see is is I've got to get this down, done. I've got to get this out. I have to I have to finish this. But then as soon as I get it done and I finish it, something else starts, you know? So it's a constant ride. There is no time off.
3: For you, what is the hardest part about being an author?
4: Um, I think for me, it's... it's Boy, how can I say this? It's not so much rejection. Mm-hmm. It's It's that... You wish that someone would just, you know, when you're in a bookstore and you see someone pick up a book and they just flip through it and then they just put it down. They don't really look at it to see what the substance of the book is before they make that decision. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: That's hard for me. So like if I'm at a signing, uh, I was at Barnes and Noble about two weeks ago, you know, and you have people who come up and they're truly interested and they engage and, and I love it. I love meeting the readers. It it just it makes my day. But then you have people who come up and they'll just they'll barely look at the book, they flip through it, oh thank you, and they put it down and they walk away. And they have no idea what that book is about because they didn't maybe take the time to to, to, you know, engage and and talk to you.
3: But on the but on the other side, on the other side of the coin, with Hmm. so many books out there, if a person wants to take the time to, to, instead of just flipping through like that, you described that uh, the person doing it at the bookstore. If they mm-hmm. didn't do that, you know, they would spend their life in a bookstore and not getting anything accomplished.
4: That's true, that's yeah. true. But if they're not really interested, um, I don't know, I guess, is it a curiosity then that we're sitting there with our pens in hand, you know, mm-hmm. and our books on the table? Are we a curiosity? Could be, you know. Maybe yeah. that's it. Maybe maybe I'm putting too much stock into it. Maybe it's just that you know they're they're well, want to check not, it out.
3: You're not putting too much stock in it, for goodness' sake. It's just like an artist. You're an artist. You're 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 an artist who deals in in words instead of paint, oils, sculptures, clay. You're an artist. Mm-hmm. So when you see your book, which which is your 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 masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Your your art that nobody else is getting. Of course, it'll be upsetting. That's only natural, hun.
4: You know my my most favorite memory so mm-hmm. far of a signing was I was uh, doing the Queen of It, which is one of my my children's books. And this little boy came over. He's about seven years old, and he was shaking, okay, because he had never met a real author. Oh wow. He was the cutest little guy. Just he was so excited and so over the top. (laughs) And his mom bought a copy of the book and I signed it for him. And then she asked me if we could take pictures, you know, and him and I took pictures together. And he was just the warmest, kindest little soul. And I swear I will carry that with me for the rest of my life. That was my most favorite. Oh, it just it made everything I do. You know, seem worth it that day,
3: and I'm sure there's many moments like that that happen that you just don't just don't see because so many people buy your books when you're not around, and have you ever wondered how your book affects the life of somebody that you've never met?
4: yeah, I do, and I was it's funny because. I have the um, the Garden of Two, mm-hmm. which is the historical romance. and um, unbeknownst to me, someone that I casually know bought a copy and she read it. And this woman I, sw- I just is like a champion for this book, okay. Um, the way it affected her and what she got out of the story and how much she enjoyed it, Um, She she waves the banner, you know, and it's funny because the only reason I know that is because she came up to me to tell me all this. But I often wonder, are there other people out there who feel that way about various books that I've written that I'll never meet? You know,
3: I, I hear where you're coming from, because a very dear friend of mine that I've known for over 30 years is an author and he lives in Kelowna, British Columbia. And he, he's he's one of the sweetest guys you could ever meet, and he he decided late in life to become an author and, and I hear the same from from my friend as I'm hearing from you when he's at a book signing, that he can't understand. I'm here, my books are here. Don't you want to come and ask me these questions? Don't you want to know about this? And, and I've heard this from other authors as well. But I think that authors are the unsung heroes in today's um, pop culture world because it, when you're an author, you are giving somebody something that is very dear to you, whether it's your thought, whether it's your idea, whether it's your concept, whatever. And to read a book takes time. So when somebody sits down, picks up your book and reads it, man that is one heck of a compliment to all the hard work that you and other authors put into their into their daily life.
4: Yeah. Exactly. And and you know it is it is difficult because sure. it does take time. It's not, it's not like you sit down and you watch a movie and two hours later you're done.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: You know, you you it's kind of a commitment to a book. You know, because you know it's going to take some of your time. It's going to take more than just instant gratification. You have to take the journey.
3: I, I, I hear you. And, you know, there is only one book that I have ever read cover to cover in one night. I started, re- I got home from work. And this was many years ago when I was in the police force. I got home and I just picked up the this book. It was a pocketbook, a paperback. And I figured, I'm just going to read this and I'm just going to unwind. Well, three pages into this book, I was hooked.
2: Mm.
3: And I read it until the next day when I had to go back to work. Wow. I just immersed myself into this book. And I love reading because within your mind, when you're reading, you create the set. You create the characters. You create the 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 backdrop. Mm-hmm. People who love to read are very, very imaginative people.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yes. And once again, you, the author, bring this this inner imagination to 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 the front. And make it happen for this person because he leaves one world of reality, or he or she leaves one real, world of reality, and enters the world that you have created for them. Stand by, Vicky Ann. You and I have to take our final break for this hour. Exonation, Nation Vicky Ann Bush is our special guest, and her website is com. We'll both be back. Don't go away.
1: For more information on the Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
6: There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Kwilda and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net.
3: Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. And uh, Vicki Ann Bush is our special guest this hour. Her website, VickiNbush.com, and I'm gonna spell it for you, V-I-C-K-I-A-N-N-B-U-S-H.com. And Vicki is joining us from Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so so Vicki, you during the break you and I were talking briefly, and you were and I was asking you, hey, you know. Did you ever find out who the man in the plaid shirt was and and you hadn't and yet you apparently had seen him after you moved? Am I did I get that right?
4: Um, I actually my mom and dad, um, I saw him at my house because I at that time then I of course I was married. I had my you know my kids. Mm-hmm. I saw him at my house. My mom saw him at her house. My daughter saw him at both houses. And when my mom and dad sold their house and moved, all three of us stopped seeing him. I, I
2: don't wow, know how strange, it correlates.
4: Yeah. It was it just stopped seeing him.
3: So tell me, why did you decide to become a paranormal author?
4: Um, when I was thirteen, back in New York, mm-hmm. uh, the, the the schools were having a nation uh, a nation a citywide contest, and you had to write a story, construct the book. My first book was actually a mystery, Joe Brady, Master Detective, and my dad helped me construct it. He drew some artwork for it, but I fell in love with the whole process of writing, and for years, I would write, but I would just write for me and just put, the, you know, put it away, store it away in a box, and it wasn't until my daughters were actually older that they started pushing me. I started off with children's books. And my publisher at the time was was talking about how young adult fiction was Mm -hmm. really coming, you know, into into popularity. Right. And she said, you know, I think you would really be good at this. Why don't you give it a shot? You know? And I thought, all right. Well, you know, I have a very vivid imagination, probably because of the kind of things that that go on in my life. And so the first thing I wrote was called um, Through the Door to Dusk, and, and it was about, it was actually a novella, and it was about a young man who sees a girl and falls in love with her and finds out that she, she's from a town from 1899 Vegas, and they're trapped in an alternate dimension. And they can only come through during dusk to gather whatever food or things that they need. And then he goes through the process of trying to save them. I got the idea from the mountain behind my house, because it's Sunrise Mountain. And I would sit there and look at the mountain, and it just inspired me. And from there, the story took off.
3: How many books have you written since just, you started?
4: Oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead.
3: No, I was just asking how many books you've written since you first started writing.
4: Well... I just finished my 11th. Mm -hmm. Um, I have 10 that's published. I'm working on my 12th right now. A lot of my stuff um, from earlier days is still just put away.
3: So what influences you as an author?
4: Gosh, um, everything. Everything. I mean, the people I meet, the places I go, Mm -hmm. um, the surroundings, it, it could be anything. It, it could be the way someone drinks a glass of water, if that makes any sense.
3: So it's whatever inspires you in life.
4: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: And exactly. And why do you think that in the year 2017, people have still such a great interest in the paranormal, whether it be fiction, whether it be reality, whether it be radio, television, books, magazines, or just chatting about the paranormal around a fire?
4: Because I think for most people, the paranormal has some kind of truth to it. Mm -hmm. You know, when you say fiction, yes, it's, you know, when I write a book, the idea, the storyline may be fiction, but it's based off of things that many people see, hear, and I think it's that question for, you know, what really does happen afterwards, you know, I think everybody always asks that question to themselves. And and whether, you know, you say that, you know, you don't believe in anything afterwards, Mm -hmm. you still have some kind of doubt. I have to believe that that you're still curious.
3: But how can we be curious about something there's no proof to substantiate any claim or belief?
4: Well, I think it depends on what you consider proof. I mean, I think I have proof in my mind,
2: Mm
4: -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. if i if i can see things and hear things and so can other people in my family to me that's proof you know but um, what, but I,
3: let me ask you this question what is that proof of
4: to me it's proof of that our energy our life force whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it does go on in some way after after the physical body is gone so So it may not be like, you know, the traditional thoughts of there's heaven, there's hell, there's, you know, there's these things, but more that it's the next step in your life force.
3: Does the paranormal or the events that you are part of, does it frighten you?
4: No. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. You know what's funny? I don't think I can ever remember really being frightened. You know, I take that back. When I was 10 and I first felt the brush on my cheek, Mm -hmm. that scared me a little bit. But then I realized that if someone or something is brushing my cheek in a soft way, they're not out to hurt me. So, um, no, no, it doesn't scare me. Not the things I see.
3: Do you go out on paranormal investigations or do you just keep the paranormal to yourself?
4: I, I keep it to myself because um, too many times we talk to people like me and my daughters, you know, mm-hmm. it may come up in conversation and um, we kind of get the look sometimes. So I figure, let's just keep it quiet.
3: And, and yet you write about it. Do you use a pen name or do you use your real name?
4: I use my real name.
3: So why wouldn't you want to talk to people about it? Isn't that a part of being an author and marketing yourself is to talk to people?
4: I Let, let me rephrase. Okay. I will if, if it's somebody who seems genuinely interested. Okay. And like you said to me, why is it you write paranormal? I'm mm-hmm. going to answer that question. Okay. But if I'm in a conversation with someone about just normal daily activity, I'm not going to say, oh, by the way, um, I saw this person in jeans and a T-shirt at my house the other night, you know, for two seconds, and they were standing right in front of me. That wouldn't come up in normal conversation.
3: No, but it could come up another way. Like, can you believe this? The other night, I was in my house, and you know what I saw? A guy standing there in a T-shirt and jeans.
4: Well, I do that with people who are close to me,
3: mm-hmm.
4: but not, not for people on the outer circle.
3: But it's the people in the outer circle who are going to buy your books.
4: That's true. You're, you've got a point, yes, yes. But then they think they're reading fiction.
3: But you they told are, me but, but, but you they see, are, you, told, you told us a little while ago that to you it's not fiction.
4: No, what I said was is, experiences are not, are not fiction. I mean, if I write mm-hmm. a story about aliens, I mean, I haven't been on a, in another world. You know, that's fiction. That's out of my head. Okay. Um, Because I do have a sci fi too. But I mean, when I write the paranormal, let's just say the Dust Chronicles, I mean, I I didn't see people coming through from a town from 1899. I just experienced other things that I use it as an outlet to to filter.
3: All right. So uh, what would you be filtering? What would you be, what would that, what would require that outlet?
4: Well, you know, it's it's all the stuff that's going on around me in my head. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, it's like this. If, if, if you're sitting at a circus or a carnival, yeah. okay, and you're watching four different things go on at the same time, don't you have a tendency to try and focus on one?
3: I've got to tell you something. Carnivals and circuses don't turn me on. No, they so, don't turn me on either. Yeah. It was
4: just... Yeah. I just use
3: it as. Um, actually, no. I I would if if I've got three things going on in front of me, I will be watching three things, not at the you know, same what? time. But I'd I be have I'd said be that. scanning. You're
4: a guy. You're a guy. Guys can yeah. watch a wall of TVs.
3: Well, this is what I do for a living. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the media. You know the the Exxon is just a small part of what I do. Okay, but you know, so I have to keep on watching TV. So I have to watch the news feeds. I have to watch the different computer screens. Like, I. This is the way I've been all my life. Mhm. I multitask. So if I'm just going to put my mind to focusing on one thing, you know what? I'm going to be so bored.
4: But I'm not focusing on one thing. There's so many things going on in my mind. Remember, I'm constantly having writing ideas. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. a story always playing out in my head. Right. You know, so so it's it's Let's just say it's an expression. Let's put it that way. It's an expression.
3: So what do you write about? Do you write about ghosts? Uh, Do you write about extraterrestrials? Do you write about uh, out-of-body experiences, Sasquatch? What is your main theme?
4: Um, You know, most of them are more uh, demons and angels and um, um, things of that nature. Like I said, I do have a sci-fi, but I only have Mm -hmm. the one. Um, But they're more paranormal uh, and, and romance. There's always usually an underlining romance in most of them going on at the same time. So pretty much, com- you know, the, the lead characters are going through these situations, but they're going
3: through them as couples. Give us an example.
4: Um Okay like, um, fulfillment series that is basically, um, angels and demons. And the idea is that it starts in Boulder city, Nevada, and the teenagers, normal, you know, teenagers going to school, I think they're normal. And, um, they come to find out that that their parents are really angels and archangels who are undercover, let's just say, you know, here and waiting for when the rise of Lucifer is going to try and rise again. And they find out that some of them are, um, archangels Mm and by birth and Luke, the lead whose father is Gabriel falls in love with Mary and Mary is half arch and her mother is Lilith. So they are in a war to save humanity, but at the same time, they are 17-year-old kids who are in love. And she has to fight her dark side, and he is pure light.
3: So opposites attract. Mm
4: Mm-hmm. Yes, they do.
3: And that is why... um... I, I, was, I was noticing that you put a lot of religious philosophies in, in the way that you think. You know, angels, mm-hmm. demons, good, bad. Mm-hmm. So listen, we've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Please stand by. Exonation. our guest this hour is Vicki Ann Bush. She's an author of Paranormal Romances. And if you'd like to find out more about Vicky, visit her website at com. This is The Exxon. I am Rob McConnell coming to you from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the XZBN radio and TV network. Don't forget, you can always find out more about The Exxon Broadcast Network at our main website at www.xzbn.net. Don't go away. Vicki Ann Bush is my guest to this hour, at dot com. She is an author of paranormal uh, novels. Uh, she does science fiction, histor- hist- historical fiction. I, is that what it's called, Vicky?
4: Historical romance.
3: A historical romance, I'm sorry. And I, I I, thought we'd let our audience hear the other side of an author that I don't think very many people know and understand that as you're typing, you're painting a picture that you're taking from your mind into the book, putting it onto the words, that the reader picks up the book, and they create your reality at the time within your book. I, I just love it. Thank you. <laughs> Vicki, what, what do you think the impact of the electronic media has been in, in the publishing uh, industry for you, an author?
4: Um, you know, it, it's opened up a whole new world mm-hmm. and, you know, you, you got to either roll with it or you get left back, to, if that makes sense. Sure does. Um, there's there's a lot more competition because of things like that, because of the electronic. We have people who are, you know, a lot of self-publishing yeah. now and um uh, the, the you know um, how can I say this? Um, it just makes for for a wider um, ocean <laughs> of of waves. So it's it's like you either have to learn how to go with it, or you know you're gonna get hit and knocked under. S- swim so, or sink, right? <laughs> yeah, or sink. So it's so it. it it can be fun though you know it, it can be fun because it can yeah. be stimulating you know a little a little bit of uh of change and and um, i don't know it just it it, it can be good
3: Vicky, everyone hears uh, the saying that everyone has a story inside of them. how would you as as an accomplished author how would you best? get people to sit down and and get the story from within them and put it in a media that they can share with others?
4: You know, that's really a good question because I get asked that all the time, you know, from other people saying, you know, I I want to write a book. I have a book in my head or, you know, um, I've been thinking about it for years. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just tell them, I go, sit down. Stop talking about it and sit down. Just start. Just start it doesn't matter that you know it, what you're putting down in the very, in the beginning because you're learning okay um but just get it going, get it flowing and and it it'll come out from there, you know people who who think that writing is easy are mistaken, it's discipline, you know. It's, um, there are times where I know, you know, I'd, I'd rather be at the movies with friends, but you have to make sure that you get the job done or you don't get any, any more books out there. But so it starts with the one. So if you have an idea, don't sit for 10 years saying, you know, I got this idea. I should really do it. Just do it. Just do it. Do it in your spare time. Sit down and start typing.
3: I've heard a few times where somebody has had a great idea for a book and they've kept it within them for years, and the next thing you know, somebody else puts out that book and they say, "Look at that! They took my idea."
2: Mm -hmm.
3: No, they didn't take your idea. They just came up with the idea themselves and they decided to move on it while you sat on your, you know, your duff watching football and drinking beer. Yes, it's true. Yeah,
4: it's true. You just you have to. It's there is a certain amount of discipline that you just have to. You know, I read a thing. um, I don't know. I. I don't know if it's true, I, it was um, Stephen King had put in, a, it was an article, right. and um, he said that as an, a writer, you, you should write every day for t- at least two hours, you should discipline yourself, and it makes so much sense, because if you don't, and it's like anything else, if you don't practice your craft, it gets away from you. So I would think it's the same principle as starting. If you don't start, it will continuously get away from you.
3: Vicki, we're coming down to the, the uh, final five minutes of this hour. Again, thank you so much for joining us, and I wish you much success and keep the thank great you. work up. What would your top five things that new authors or people considering to be authors should do?
4: okay um, one if you know start if you have an idea get it okay. down on, on uh, you know get it down get it in written word um, two um, if you're going to start sending it out make sure it's edited make sure it's a clean you know copy because then when someone does say they want to look at your work because you don't start off sending out your manuscript you start off sending out query letters when, when you do send out your queries and you do get someone, you'll have your work that, that's um, ready to hand in. Otherwise, they, don't, they won't look at it, okay? Um, three, don't, don't get discouraged. I have a binder that's filled with letters, you know, that rejection. I call it my little inconvenience binder. <laughs> you know, and it's a reminder that not everybody has the same taste as I am or not everybody sees the same
3: vision.
2: Right.
4: Just because someone says no doesn't mean you shouldn't try it. How many things are we up to, Rob? Is that four? That's number four. <laughs> number five, it's simple. Just never give Just don't give up. Don't give up. If this is your passion and you love this, and this is what you want to do, then keep doing it. Because you do it for yourself. If everything else happens after that, that's great. But you will always be doing it primarily first off for yourself.
3: I have an uncle who, uh, who's a salesman. And in many respects, an author is a salesperson because, like you said, these query letters that you send out. And he always says, the sale starts... When the person says no,
2: mm-hmm,
4: and that's and that's one of my most tenacious. Yeah, it is. It so it's, people tell me all the time. Friends tell me, boy, you don't know. You don't take no. And I said, no. I, I I don't know how. It's hard for me to take no.
3: And that's why you're successful. <laughs> so what have you got in the works? Uh, any future book plans that you can uh, share with us without giving us the yeah. idea?
4: Yeah. Um, right now, actually, I just finished um, a novel
2: mm-hmm.
4: that um, it's it's kind of got it's based on some uh, things, some subject matter that's near and dear to my heart. Um, it is paranormal. The family is paranormal. You know, they have paranormal experiences, but the the lead character is a 17 year old transgender boy. Wow. And um, I'm trying to bring that into mainstream because that's a subject matter, like I said, that's near and dear to my heart. Um, right now, I'm working on the final book of the fulfillment series. That's the one we just talked about about the angels yep. and demons. I'm working on that, and um, and then once that's done up, I'll, I'll go ahead and we'll we'll um, those are novellas, and we'll go ahead and complete the series.
3: See, I can understand why people would like the angel demon uh, book. I, I think that's a I think that's a that's a great that 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 is a something that is really good. Thank you. I have a problem with everybody who likes these walking dead things. Mm. What's your take on that, you know?
4: You know, um sometimes I enjoy it, but but to me it's so it's so one-dimensional because yeah. they're walking dead. What what are we gonna do from there? They're walking dead.
2: Okay. Some
4: run faster than others, I can tell you that. You know, some are like the the zombie uh, you know, and they're real slow. Some are crazy and they yeah. run really fast. I think that's about the scope of it, you know. Um I'm not gonna say, you know, it's 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 there's an audience for everything.
3: That there's is so in. true. That is so true. And my wife is one of those who just loves the walking dead. And I've and I, I just shake my head and I say, why? <laughs> and she'll look at me. And between my wife and I, we have six kids. We have 10 grandchildren. And she'll look at me with that look as if I'm supposed to know. Yeah. That look. And I say, why? And then I get that famous line that every husband in the world has heard. Well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs>
2: uh uh-huh.
3: So tell our audience where they can get copies of your books.
4: Um, they are available at Amazon.com, um, and Amazon has a complete library of my books. Also, Barnes and Noble, but not as complete of a library online. Um, and also, if they go to my website, you know, vickyanbush.com, it'll take them right over to the buy link as well.
3: 30 seconds for your final word of wisdom as an author to our listening audience around the world.
4: Um, I think authors are a struggling breed and we need the the readers, the people out there who truly love books and still love to um, flip a page or even even on a Kindle or, or a Nook Or, but we need them to, to keep out, up out there and and keep reading and keep supporting us um because we're here we don't want to go away and we want to keep entertaining you
3: vicki ann bush thank you so much for sharing your time with us here tonight in the exxon i like i said i wish you continued success and i look forward to the next time you join us back here in the exxon thank you for everything you do vicki thank you Exonation Vicki Ann Bush, www.vickiannbush.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center in Hamilton, or uh, Hamilton, oh jeez, I nearly said some other place, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, don't go away.